I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. Today is what America calls Easter. Easter is paganism, just like Christmas, it's paganism. Easter is mentioned one time in the Bible, and it is a false translation. It's mentioned in the 12th chapter of Acts. Let me read it to you. And now about the time... Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. There were many Herods. This is one of the Herods. Herods were of the, they weren't of Israel. They were Idumean Herods. Idumean. It means they came from the descendants of Esau. Idumea is the same thing as Edom. Edom is just south of Israel. That's the land of Esau. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James and John were the fishermen that Jesus called. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, it pleased the Pharisees. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. The days of unleavened bread was the same thing as Passover. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep Peter intending after Easter. Such a terrible thing to translate that that way. To bring him forth to the people. When you look up Easter, it will tell you the word is P-A-S-C-H-A. Or in the Greek, P-A-S-C-H-A. That is the word Passover. How in the world did Easter get in the Bible? Well, I've said this before, that half the translators were Roman Catholic, and the chief translator of the King James Bible was a man named Lancelot Andrews. He was a Roman Catholic priest. There's a lot of mistakes in the King James Bible. There's, the mistakes are not in the Texas Receptus. That's the Greek text that it comes from. So this is wrong. And I put something up on the board here. I have wrestled with what to teach today. Easter is actually, it comes from the word Ishtar. It is the word Ishtar. These are variations of the word Easter. Easter was a goddess, was a goddess of the British, an ancient goddess of the sun. It all has to do with sun worship. It comes from the word Ishtar. Ishtar resurrected Tammuz from the dead. That was actually just the resurrection of the crops of the crops. That was on March 25th in the ancient world. That's exactly. He resurrected. That's a false god. That's not, Tammuz wasn't a god. He was a mythological imaginary god. And it was Ishtar that resurrected him from the dead. 
in the spring so they could have crops. It was about crops and food. Crops. And Ishtar comes from the word Ashtart. Or Ashtaroth, A-S-H. T-O-R-E-T-H. If it's spelled with an E, it's singular. If Ashtaroth is spelled with an O, it's plural. And it comes from Ashtaroth, and you get the word Ashtar, A-S-T-E-R. And Ashtar is the Greek word star. And they worshipped these gods in the stars, and Venus was in the stars. And Venus was the same thing as Ashtar, or Ishtar, or Easter. Venus was worshipped as a cone. She was never worshipped in human form. She was worshipped as a cone. Mr. Layard said, since they worshipped them in the stars, they put a star on top of her. The Bible says in in Jeremiah 10 that they cut a tree out of the sparse, they deck it with silver and with gold, that it moved not, and they put it on a platform. Well, that's the Christmas tree in Jeremiah 10. Jeremiah 10. Now, I put something up here. Resurrection. Christmas is supposed to be the resurrection of Jesus. Mr. Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. He is a historian, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. said they did not use one day a year to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. They used every first day of the week. Every first day. First day of the week. That was Sunday. Let me say this one more time in case you've missed it. When the Bible says at the very end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. It actually says the word week is Sabbath. Sabbaton. Sabbaton. Now, Sabbath does not mean seventh. Does not. Every time you find Sabbath, it means rest. That's what it means. Now, they call Sunday. When the Bible says Jesus rose on the first, first day of the week, This will confuse you if you look up the word week because it will say Sabbaton on the first day of the Sabbaton. And people will say, well, he rose on the Sabbath. No, no, no. no. (laughs) You got to know the way the Jews numbered the days of the week. They call Sunday. They numbered everything from the Sabbath. They call Sunday the first day of the Sabbath. They called Monday the second day of the Sabbath. They called Tuesday the third day. The Sabbath was the most holy thing to the Jews. 
they numbered everything from the Sabbath. So if you look up week and it says Sabbath, you're going to have to know this about the Jews. And there's no way you will get that out of the King James Bible. But you'll get it out of a Jewish encyclopedia. You can use it as Isidore Singers. Or you can use uh, uh, the Judaica, which is a 17 volume. I've got that in my library. Now, what does the resurrection have to do with baptism? First of all, we need to look. Every time you find the word resurrection in the New Testament, except for one time, and I'm going to show you that one time. Every time you find it, every time you find the word resurrection, except for this right here, the word resurrection is the word anastasis. Every, every time you find it, other than other than when Christ rose from the dead in the Matthew the the 27th chapter verse 53 well let me read 52 and 53 and the graves were opened this is when Christ was resurrected and many bodies of the saints which slept arose the dead people in the city of Jerusalem arose from the dead when Christ come up out of the grave. Well, the Bible says it's appointed a man that wants to die except for these people. They get to die twice. These were believers and came out of the graves after his resurrection. That word is not anastasis. The only time the word anastasis is not anastasis. It's the word agaris, E-G-E-R-S-I-S. A-G-E-R-S-I-S. When the Bible talks about Jesus being raised from the dead, it never uses the word anastasis. It uses the word eregasis. And that means to raise from the dead or arouse from sleep. It has to do with that. Every time this word Anastasis used its feminine gender. That cannot possibly be talking about Christ. Here's something people don't understand about the resurrection. Resurrection is much more than Jesus resurrecting from the dead. It has to be Christ resurrecting in us because anastasis means anastasis means to come to life After dying. After dying. If it's feminine gender, what does that have to be? It has to be the church. Because we die daily, don't we? Over there in 1 Corinthians, look over there very quickly. 1 Corinthians, the resurrection, they celebrated that every first day of the week, every Sunday, because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, on the first day of the week. I'm not going to go through all that right now, but look over here, then uh, 
Where did I say we were going to go? Huh? First Corinthians 15. And you have to put all these things together. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And Paul will tell you, this is a very, and I'm going to give you something preachers have wrestled with. They don't have any idea what to do with it. I've never heard a preacher that understood it. Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 28, And when all things shall be subdued by Jesus, then shall the Son also be subject unto him that put all things under him, and that God shall be all in all. Else, or else, what shall we do which are baptized for the dead? Now, there are people, the Quakers, I believe, I'm not sure, Mormons baptize people for the dead. They get somebody in there and say, we're going to baptize you for a dead person. This has to do with what I'm talking about up here. If the dead rise not at all, rises the word ingero or ingeresis, why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Why am I putting my body in jeopardy by telling the truth every hour? What he is saying, I'm being baptized for the dead. True baptism is blood, not water. He's blood baptized for the dead. Blood baptized for the dead elect. That's what baptism for the dead is. We go through a blood baptism, taking the message to the world. And a blood baptism is the same thing as a death. You can look that up in your McClinican Strong. Look up blood. Look at the very end of the article. It'll tell you that a blood baptism was a death. And baptized does not mean to dip in water or sprinkle with water. There was a water baptism, but that was a proselyte baptism. A blood baptism, the word baptize, let me say it one more time, because this goes with the resurrection. Baptize comes from two words, baptizo and bapto. Baptizo means to cover. If you'll notice, to cover doesn't mean somebody is covering you. It means the covering has to come from an outer source. And it has to sprinkle a dye of some kind upon a person. Babto means to stain with a dye. So, even Mr. Girdlestone and even the McClinic and Strong under baptize will tell you that this word baptizo was an infinitive. Was an infinitive originally. An infinitive is not a verb showing motion. It's not. An infinitive is a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. This would be a thing. And it's a noun with verbal action. 
that's why whenever it says to cover, God has to cover us. We can't do the baptizing. It's a verbal noun. A verbal noun is an infinitive. An infinitive has to do with an action coming from an outer source upon a person to dye him or to stain him. This this word baptizo was a household term. It was a household term. Many of the authorities would tell you it's a household term. That meant to stain with a dye that women use for dyeing clothes. They used it for dyeing clothes. So being an infinitive, when you see that in Revelation, the first chapter, Revelation 1, look at that very quick. Look at Revelation 1. Revelation 1. And you've got to notice who's doing the washing. An infinitive is God doing the washing. We're not. Revelation, the first chapter. And it'll say down here in verse 5. Oops, that's Jude. I can't read it out of Jude. In verse 5, the last phrase, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus did the washing. That's true baptism right there. And then you look at Revelation 7. Revelation 7. John is standing looking at a great crowd. Let's just read it. It means more to read it. And in verse 9, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, and clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, this is John talking, he said unto me, What are these that are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, you're the one that knows. I don't know. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They have been white. It hasn't been them that have washed themselves. That's true baptism. That's a death. Well, if resurrection means to come to life after dying everything that means to come to life after dying everything that means to die what does it mean to die what are the phrases and words we know that drinking a cup is death to self Jesus asked James and John can you drink the cup that I drink of When you look up cup in McClinic and Strong, it'll tell you about the cup of consolation. It'll tell you that the cup, drinking of a cup meant to taste death. 
So that means to die. So resurrection coming to life after dying is after you drink the cup. Jesus said this cup is the New Testament in my blood. That's an amazing thing. All these things tie together. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, Jesus said, A testament has no force till the death of the testator. So he wasn't talking about a cup that's drinking that night, a cup of grape juice. He was talking about as soon as I'm dead, about 18 hours from now, I want you to learn to drink the cup dead to self. That's what he's saying. And he asked James and John, can you be baptized with a baptism I'm baptized with? Baptized with a baptism I am baptized with. He's not saying, can you back up three years, three and a half years and be dipped in water? He's not asking them that. He's saying, can you die the death? Because he's going to die the next day. And they said, we both can. He said, both of you will die the martyr's death. Now, look over here in, I've got so many things to say on this. I need, you need to, let me give you a couple more things. Look at First Peter. First Peter. The thing about resurrection, anastasis has to do with me and you. It has nothing to do with Jesus, Anastasis. He was raised from the dead. He did die for sinners, but he was raised. But Anastasis has to do with the believer. We have to die daily. Didn't he say in Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Isn't that death to self? Deny self. That's the same thing as drinking a cup. That's the same thing as a blood baptism. Deny. Aparneomai. A-P-A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. Aparneomai comes from apo, meaning complete, total. Arneomai means to contradict. It means a total contradiction. You can't do that without dying daily. So this is a death. That's death to self. And take your cross. Take up. A-I-R-O. That's death to self. Take up cross. Arrow is the word take up. We probably get our word A-R-R-O-W from that. It means to lift up in the air. So arrow. And by the way. Well, let me give you one more. And follow me. Follow. Aparneomai means to utterly contradict self. That's dead to self. Contradict. Take a cross. In the first century, you had to be a criminal or a slave to be condemned to a cross. Jesus was condemned for being a criminal. For trespassing the laws of the Pharisees. And they condemned him to a cross. You couldn't be condemned if you're a Roman citizen. But you had to be a slave or a criminal. So the world is going to have to convict us as criminals. 
as we tell them Christmas is pagan, Easter is pagan, God does not love everybody. They're going to say, you're contradicting the Bible because they've heard some messy, messed up preachers say things that's not true. And follow. The amazing thing about these, three times he tells us, follow is the word, let me put it up here. Follow. A-K-O-U. L-A-T-A-G-O. Follow is follow is the word akulatheo. It means to be in the same way with way with. The only way that Jesus is in the narrow way, there's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. And a narrow way, few find a narrow way, and a broad way. And narrow is the word thalibo, T-H-L-I-B-O, And it means to squeeze through some narrow opening like you're going through a stern, a turnstile. Squeeze through a narrow opening. And Thalibo comes from the word Thalipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. And that is the common word tribulation. And Paul said in Acts 14.22, if you're going to heaven, we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. That's, that was when he was stoned outside of Lister there in Acts 14.22. He was stoned and left for dead. He was He was hated. You got to be hated by the world. The world has to hate us, doesn't it? Jesus said, "If the world hated me, it'll hate you. If it persecuted me, it'll persecute you." I got a lot of people that hate me. You can tell by when I read these emails. Well, they hate the ground I walk on. They misquote the Bible, twist it, and pervert it all to pieces. You guys need to learn to read. And pay attention closely to what I'm saying. I'm accused of saying things that I don't even say and I don't even believe. I say, I never believe that. People say, you said this and you believe this. No, I don't. Now, so, it's the narrow way. But let me show you. The narrow way is, it is the blood baptism. It's what it is. Now, And that is the gospel. And the gospel is the resurrection according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And the gospel is the resurrection. Paul said, I come to declare you the gospel, how that Christ died and was buried and resurrected again the third day. That's the gospel. But the gospel is the same thing as the resurrection. And the blood baptism is the same thing as the resurrection. Look at Luke, the third chapter. 
I, I don't know if you get sometimes how these things fit together, but I'm going to go through this slow and show you. It's very, we're talking about resurrection. Resurrection is every Sunday. It's not Easter. Easter is a corruption. Every time you find it, Passover in the New Testament, it's Pascha. The same word that some Roman Catholics stuck in the King James Bible in Acts 12. It's wrong. Good night. People say, who do you think you are, some brilliant Greek scholar? It doesn't take a brilliant Greek scholar. All it takes is a strong, exhaustive concordance and an interlinear Bible. Look it up yourself. And then you'll find out the Roman Catholics didn't do us a, didn't do us a good job when they twisted and perverted some of the words in the King James Bible. I use the King James because it comes from the correct text. Now look over here. Where did I say we was going? Huh? Luke 3. Where? Luke 3. Luke 3. I've got so many things on my mind. Y'all have to remind me. All right. Luke, the third chapter. And I have put this together before. I've never heard a preacher do this. Nobody. I'm going to have to race the board to put this up there. Because I'm going to make this a real simple algebra equation. Now, you may say, I didn't do good in algebra. You'll do good in this. And I'm going to use some algebra axioms. And it's not hard. If you didn't make good grades in algebra, you had a terrible algebra teacher. That's what you had. Now, look here in Luke 3. Talking about John the Baptist. All right. Speaking of John, we can look at... Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came into John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. That's verse 2. Verse 3 says, And John came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance. Now the fact that the Bible says baptism of repentance, I've said this before, I don't know if everybody got it, In the Greek language, I'll have to erase this so I can use the board. In the Greek language, you've got you've got singular plural, masculine, feminine, neuter, gender in the singular, masculine, feminine, neuter, gender in the plural. Neuter means a thing, a stool, a desk, a car. Masculine is male, feminine is female. Neuter means it has no gender. And then you have nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative case. Nominative case is the subject or the predicate nominative. You say, I don't know what that is. Jim, that's the subject, is the pastor. Pastor is the same thing in the predicate. That's everything past the subject is the predicate. It's the same thing in the predicate that's equal to the subject. Pastor and Jim are the same thing. That is a predicate nominative right there. So when you're, 
when you've got a masculine, feminine, neuter, masculine, feminine, neuter, plural, singular, in the nominative, they'll either be the subject or the predicate nominative. This is the subject, that's the predicate nominative. Genitive case is what I wanted to talk to you about. This is, shows possession. I've said this before, and I've never had anybody comment to me on it. When you look up, of repentance, it's one word. Of repentance. It will tell you that it is genitive case. That means when you've got baptism of repentance, that true repentance, baptism belongs to repentance. That's why it can't be water. Because it's genitive case. I don't know if you ever got that before. The fact that it is genitive means baptism and repentance go together. Repentance is being termed metanoia. And thinking different. That's death to self, isn't it? That's the same thing as baptism. To be covered with a stain or die. Now, now let me show you this. Here's what it says here. John came preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Remission is not a strange word. It's the very same word, exact, as forgiveness, aphesis. Aphesis means to pardon. A pardon is not a parole. Pardon and release from prison. Boy, that makes us think of predestination, doesn't it? Prison. Prison in the Greek is the word phulake. P-H-U-L-A-K-E. It means the division of day and night or light and darkness and dark. You were darkness, but now you light in the Lord. You are in the horizon. And remember the word horizon is actually the word horizo, H-O-R-I-Z-O. There's no H's in the Greek. There's the diacritical mark with a breathing sound, horizo. The Latins put an end on that. And Ephesus, to pardon and, and uh, forgiveness or remission, means to pardon and release from prison to take us from darkness to light. And proholizo is the word predestinate, to predetermine for the light. Boy, you can take off on these these things, one leads to another. Now, so that's pardon and release from prison. Now, I want to show you something that's really amazing. I've said it before and I've never had anybody comment on it. It's just astounding to me. This is going to show you that baptism and the gospel are one and the same thing. Baptism 
equals the gospel. The Bible specifically states that. It says right here. Here's the baptism of repentance. As it is written in the words of Isaiah. And here's the baptism. Here's the true baptism. Baptism is death to self. And here it is. Saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is true baptism. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. That's baptism. Oh, by the way, the word way is the word hados. The word way is H-O-D-O-S. That is the true baptism. Prepare you the hadas. There are two hadas. There's the narrow hadas, the narrow way. The narrow way is true baptism. Narrow way, the narrow hadas. And the broad way, which leads to destruction, and many there be that go in there at. So which way is John the Baptist coming to prepare for us? The narrow way. And that equals to the baptism. Equals to baptism. Now, then he says, if you'll notice, he said, baptism started with Isaiah, didn't it? Esaias. Esaias is just the way they translated. Esaias. Did I spell that right? E-S-A. E-S-A-I-A-S. E-S-A-I-A-S. Esaias, that's the way, when translated into the English from the Greek, it translates Esaias, but it is Isaiah. So if you start preaching baptism before Isaiah, you're preaching too late. It started in Isaiah, the 40th chapter. We're going to look at that. Now, I'll go ahead and read one other thing. And all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. All flesh. Goodness gracious, what is that talking about? Did I read? Oh, yeah. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. But you have to know that a mountain was a capital city of an empire. There's two mountains in the Bible. There's Babylon, a proud mountain. God said, I'm going to make you a destroying mountain, and you're going to be a burnt mountain. And then there's the mountain of Zion. Zion means the light. It means shining. And then he says, Every valley shall be filled, every mountain hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. All flesh is the same thing as all men. And God would have all men be saved, and all men will be saved, but not every individual. God came to one flesh to the Old Testament. Started with Adam and then went on down to 
uh, to Seth and down to Cannon, Mahalalel, and Jared, and went on down here to uh, went on down to Abraham, went to Noah. And then our fact, uh, our fact. Um, Shem, and then our facts said all the way down Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is all one family or one flesh. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and they're the only ones that received the truth, the Old Testament. One flesh. All flesh will receive as of Acts, the second chapter, are the Gentiles, the ethnos. When Jesus said, go into all nations, the word of ethnos, ethnos, nation is the word ethnos, go to all the Gentiles in the world. All men is the Gentiles, all flesh is red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. And this is all inclusive in the word synecdo, K-S-Y-N-E-C-D-O-C-H-E. Synecdo means a part of something is the whole. Part is the whole. If one red man, one yellow, one white, one black, one brown man saved, all men or all flesh will be saved. That's what it's talking about now. Now we've got to tie another. Remember, baptism is the narrow way, right? It says it right here. Then go over here to Mark, the first chapter. Let's look at something that's equal to that. The gospel is the resurrection. We've established that to come to life after dying. In verse 1, the, the beginning of the gospel. Here is the, how the gospel starts. Of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Oops. Behold, I send my messenger, John the Baptist, before my face, which shall prepare thy hados, the way. The narrow way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. So prepare the way is the gospel, isn't it? Let me put it like this. We're talking about the resurrection as it ought to be taught. Not this one time of year thing. So, we've established in Luke 3, in Luke 3, 3, we're starting in verse 3, that the true baptism, which is a blood baptism, the true baptism, is or is well, let's just put it this way equals equals prepare ye the way let's put way what it really is hodos narrow narrow 
pay the narrow way tribulation. And then we found out that in Mark 1, one that the gospel equals prepare ye the way. There's an axiom in algebra you learn at your first week in algebra. Things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. That's real simple. If the true baptism, which is blood, is equal to the way of the Lord, the narrow way, and the gospel is the narrow way, then the gospel is equal to true baptism, isn't it? They're equal to each other. That's what the gospel is. That's what the true resurrection is. It's a blood baptism, and that's a death. And the thing is... Death does not mean annihilation, even in our case. It doesn't mean annihilation. It means separation. Thanos, T-H-A-N-A-T-O-S, Thanatos, or Thanos, T-H-A-N-O-S. It's spelled either way. It means separation. When you die, you don't cease to exist. Your spirit leaves and goes to be with the Lord. If you're an unbeliever, your spirit leaves the body and goes to hell. The rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes. What kind of eyes did he have? His body is over there in a tomb. It means separation. But it doesn't mean... What, is, what does death to self mean? Well, how many things are death to self? Faith is death to self. Faith is death to self. You quit believing in yourself and you start believing in God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance. Substance is the word hypostasis, H-U-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. It comes from hupo, meaning under... Stasis means to stand. Faith is understanding, but the Bible says there's none that understand that there's none that's except to God. Where do you get this understanding? God has to put it in your heart. And if you understand, you learn, don't you? You learn. A learner is a disciple it is the word mathetes, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S. And that means a disciple or a learner. And Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, He that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple, my learner. You cannot be a disciple, a learner, without a cross. And a cross is death to self. So faith equals death to self, doesn't it? It's, it's dying. Drinking a cup? Can you drink the cup that I drink of? 
Yes, we can. He said, both of you will die the martyr's death. This is what people hate about the real truth. They don't like the dying. When you, They know they're going to have to give up what their mother says, what their brother says, their father says, their kids say. If they don't want the truth, you've got to give them up. You don't have to get mad at them. You've got to say, look, I'm not compromising the Word of God for anything. And so resurrection has to do with death. After drinking the cup, after faith, being death to self, being a daily cross, and that's how you learn, that's how you understand, God has to put the understanding of the faith in you. Without a cross, you can't be a follower of Christ. That's true resurrection. How do you resurrect spiritually? Well, if death is separation and someone comes and you tell them about Christmas, it's paganism, it's Christ's Mass, it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America, it's Roman Catholicism, it's the Mass of Roman Catholicism. If you tell them God loved Jacob and hated Esau, for either one were born, for either one had done any good or evil, you're telling them the truth. And most people will separate from you. There'll be a form of death between you and them. Next time they see you, they say, Oh, Jim, I can't, don't have time to talk. I have to go. And sometimes they'll see you and they'll turn and run the other way. I've had people do that. That's death. That's separation. They don't want to be around you. You've had that, haven't you? I've had it nearly every day. They don't want to talk. But I'm really, I've got all these words in my mind. I'm ready to say them very quietly, very gently. I don't have to be loud. Say, well, here's what the Bible says. You got to deal with it. I've had people say, "I don't believe. I don't believe in predestination." I said, "Well, you go to a Baptist church and you say you're a believer. You have to believe it. It's in the Bible." I'll say it to them just like that. You got to believe it. It's Bible. And if they don't, if they want to get mad at that, I'd say, "Well, the Bible says for him he did photo. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, having predestinated us in the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will." You mean you don't believe that? Is that what you're saying to me? I'll, I'll be so insistent. If you don't call yourself a Christian, if you don't believe the Bible, and you have to. And I know most people are not going to have, they're not going to have their guns loaded the way I've got it up here in my head. I know that. The best thing you can do is memorize a few Greek words and tell it to people. So now we've learned that the gospel is the resurrection. The gospel is baptism. The gospel is predestination. Some guy wrote to me and said, Paul was baptized in Acts 9. No, he wasn't. Not in water. But he was baptized. Look at it. Look at Acts 9. It doesn't say Paul was baptized in water. Acts, the ninth chapter. Now you talk about a scoundrel outside the church. Paul was it. He was a rascal when he was a Pharisee. He was out killing people for a living. 
He did that for the Pharisees. He said, I was a Pharisee. My father was a Pharisee. I was more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. Everything that the word tradition, paradosis, P-A-R-A-D-O-S-I-S. When you look that up, tradition, it will tell you that it was the 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 uh, traditionary law of Moses. The traditionary law of Moses was false. You, if you read that, you're not going to know what to do with it. Traditionary law of Moses. The traditionary law was the law of the Pharisees. It was a tradition with the halakhah that they had invented and they had it translated when they were over here in Israel and they'd been carried away into captivity they needed a, a law over there so they took the law here and translated 613 laws over into the into the Aramaic of the Babylonians Aramaic no, I can't even spell when I'm talking the Aramaic And they translated there, and they said they had to have a man that would tell you what these 613 laws meant. So they added anything they wanted to it, and that was the law that they couldn't write it down. That was the traditionary law of Moses. It wasn't Mosaic law. It was a lie that the Pharisees had made up. Now, when Paul is converted here in the ninth chapter, let me tell you, people say, I can't come to grace and truth because you don't know how bad I've been. You had not been this bad. You ain't never been like Paul. Look at the first verse. Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. The word slaughter is phonos. It means to murder. P-H-O-N-O-S. Paul said, I was murdering Christians. That's why when he was taken to the apostles by Barnabas in Jerusalem, they said, get him, whoa, get him out of here. He'll kill all of us. They were terrified of Saul. And Barnabas said, God has done a work in him, a work that he's never done in any of you. Anyway. When Ananias comes to the house where Paul is in Damascus, this is the verse that everybody uses to say that Paul was baptized in water, and he wasn't. Look and read it, verse 17. Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, he hasn't been named Paul yet until he gets to the 10th chapter. That's where he starts being called Paul. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Two things. He's been blinded for days. Number one, receive sight. And number two, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he comes up and repeats that 
in this following verse, except he puts it in two, two when one of the things he has to do, he puts it in a different terminology. And he says, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it been scales, and he received his sight, and forthwith arose and was baptized. He wasn't baptized in water. He was baptized with the blood of Christ. He tells you he's relating this same experience. He's talking about blood baptized, the Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit of the same word, Haggai's pneuma. So he's filled with truth. And there's death to self, death to Paul, death to the old man. This is a blood baptism. Look at Acts, the 22nd chapter. 22nd chapter. We're talking about resurrection today. This is true resurrection when we're resurrected, when we die daily. And you look at this right here. 22nd chapter. He's relating his story with Ananias one more time in the place where he is. And verse 12, one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report and of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. So that's the first thing, receiving sight. And the same hour I looked upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will. This is Ananias talking to Paul. And to see the just one, and, sh and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness of all men, and thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise, and be baptized, and wash away. Apolutrio. Apolut. Or actually, apolusai. Apolusai. Wash away. Apo. L-U-S-A-I. Wash away. He's not going to wash away with sins with water, is he? No. It's got to be the blood of Christ. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. He did the washing. You always got to notice that. That shows the infinitive in it. He did the washing. We don't do that. Now, there are three words for in in the Greek. Three common words. You have the word E-I-S, which is pronounced I-C-E, ice, or ease, however you want to pronounce it, I don't care. Ice, and you have the word epi, you have the word E-N. Not one of these means to move into and come out of. Not one of them. This word ice means to sink into. But not come out of. That's the word that Jesus used in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He said, go into all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in. Now here's the funny thing to me. Why would Jesus tell them to go baptize with John the Baptist's baptism when he had one of his own. Why would he? 
St. John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, I don't know how everybody missed the blood baptism. All the Baptist preachers, all the Church of Christ preachers, all of them missed it. They just, it's like they don't even care what it means. In Matthew 3, John said, I baptize with water. John was doing a proselyte process for people to come into Israel. But he said, there comes one after me, speaking of Jesus, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. The word ghost is P-N-E-U-M-A. The word fire is per. What do you need that for, Jim? There was a man that lived around 320 B.C. His name was Zeno. And Mr. Zeno said, all this universe that we look at out here, he said, all of it was a living, breathing entity, like I'm a breathing entity here. I'm a living, breathing entity. They, he said Jupiter and Mars and Venus and all this, plus all the stars was a living entity. And he said, and he started something called Stoicism. And they were called Stoics. Sometimes CK, sometimes just C. Stoics. And he said, all this was the universe was, this was 300 years before John the Baptist standing on the Jordan, banks of the Jordan River. And it had become a common understanding that Numa and Pur meant life. He said, what gave this cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, he called it a cosmos, we call it C-O-S-M-O-S. He said, what gave it life was Numa and Pur. Everyone in hearing distance knew what that meant. It meant life. Now, here's what I want to ask you a question. Why would Jesus, after Matthew 3, he comes to John at the end of that chapter and says, Baptize me in water. Why was he baptized in water? Baptize me in water. How much time do I have, Mike? 31. Okay, maybe I can get this hell in. Baptize me in water. Because the Pharisees kept calling Jesus a Samaritan. They hated Samaria. Samaria was northern Israel. And they said that if you're from northern Israel, you were from the... Especially if you're from Nazareth. To say Nazareth was like saying the garbage dump. Or the septic tank. That's what Nazareth was to them. That's why Nathaniel said, when Andrew came, said, we found the Messiah. And Nathaniel said, where is he from? Andrew said, Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was the pit hole of the world. Nazareth was right there in the, in the state of Zebulon. So, 
Jesus had been circumcised. His mother had offered two turtle doves. And all he needed, this was a proselyte process. And the Pharisees in their halakha, they said, if a man would go through this proselyte process, circumcision, washing in water, and they got that from the temple. They had the temple, and the brazen sea, the altar, the curtain, the Ark of the Covenant, seven candlesticks, the uh, the table of showbread, and the altar incense. One, two, three, four, five, six pieces. These were gold, beaten gold. These were brass. And they implemented that sea. That's where the priests had to wash after they offered a sacrifice. They implemented that into this proselyte process. And they said if a man would go through this that they would have to listen to him by their own law. So Jesus tells John, let's fulfill all righteousness. Let's fulfill the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. They'll have to listen to me. Otherwise, they'll never listen to me. They think I was raised, I was raised in the land up here of Nazareth, but I was born in Bethlehem, Judah. And that's all they accepted. We're not going to prove anything to them. I'll be washed in water and they'll have to listen to me. That's why John said in John the first chapter, Therefore am I come baptizing with water that Christ might be made manifest to Israel. That's the only reason. And they would have to pay attention. They still got so angry at him. They finally killed him. Have you had anybody get that mad at you yet? Well, now why would Jesus, here's the whole point. Here's the, th here's the thing. Why would Jesus, in Matthew 3, go to John and say, wash me in water so they'll have to listen to me. And then he'll go into his first message in the fifth chapter that's the sermon on the mount five six and seven and then he'll go through his ministry and the pharisees will get angry at him and crucify him and then he will raise from the dead and go to galilee where they are in a house and appear through a wall to them and say go into all the world and teach all Nations, all Gentiles, nation and Gentiles, same word, same exact word. Go teach Gentiles now, which they have never been given this, baptizing them. Now, this is the way the preachers wanted to read. Baptizing them with John's baptism. And you know that baptism that I have, that's the holy name and fire. You can forget about that. You think that's what he was saying? No! He was telling them to go and baptize with the blood of Christ, with death to self. That's what he's telling them. How everybody can miss that, I don't know. I've never been able to grab hold of that. How can they think that Jesus said, go baptize with John's water baptism and not the one that I have? 
would you skip his? That's insane to think that he would say that. Then you have this word, epi. That's Acts 2.38. That's, that's favorite Church of Christ verse, 2.38. Peter commanded them. They said, after they heard Peter preach, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent! and be baptized in the name. The problem is that word in is epi. Name is the word onoma. It means authority, God's authority. Be baptized. This word epi means to superimpose or to cover with. Superimpose. I'm writing while I'm talking. To superimpose, I always think of a biology book in high school, and they had they'd have the circulatory system, and they'd have the uh, they'd have the uh, nerve system, and all you had to do was flip that little plastic over, and it would show up on the body that way. You remember that? That's called a superimposition. It means to cover with. It means to cover. And Peter commanded him to be covered with the authority of God. He didn't tell them to be dipped in water. I'd ask you this. There were 3,000 saved that day at Pentecost. They had. You think the Pharisees are going to turn over? They had killed Jesus 50 days before. You think they're going to turn over their public waterworks for them to dip 3,000 people in water? No. And how far is the Jordan River? Oh, about 20 miles. You think they're going to walk 20 miles with 3,000 people and get them over and start dipping them in water? No. It's just, I don't even know why people don't even understand these things. What it is, they're not investigating every little detail of the Scripture. Then, in Acts 10, in Acts 10, these are the different... Peter's relating his, his time in the earliest part of this chapter where he went to the house of Cornelius, who was a Gentile, he was of the Italian band, evidently he was a, probably a Roman from Italy, and he was a believer, and Peter went over there and preached to him, and he was relating his, his adventures to him here in the 10th chapter, starting in verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost, or the truth, Haggai's Numa fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed, circumcision was a title for the, gen, for the, for the Jews because that was Abraham's requirement in the 17th chapter of Genesis. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished and as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles, on the all flesh, and they had never been 
The first man to preach directly to the Gentiles was Peter. He said so in Acts 15. He said, I went to the house of Cornelius and preached to the Gentiles first above everybody. He says, the Gentiles heard by my mouth, first of all. Because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of Haggai's Numa, the truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. I don't know why they translated Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, two different words, because they're the same thing. The Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost are truth. John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6. The Spirit is the truth. And they had never received the truth before directly. For they heard them speak with tongues, with glossa, glossa, foreign language. Because they were over at the house of Cornelius of the Italian band, and they needed to talk to them where they could understand, and that was a miracle of the, of the apostles. That was one of the gifts of the apostles in Second Corinthians 12 and 12. And then Peter says... Can any forbid water that they should be not be baptized? It doesn't say that in the original text. Doesn't say it. It says in the original text, not the water forbid. These are Gentiles. They're going to get confused thinking they have to have the water because that's a part of the proselyte process. Peter said in Acts 15, or Paul said it in Acts 15, when they were coming back from their first missionary journey, they're coming back, see if I can find that. Coming back from Asia, which is not my dog, but it is my dog. I do have a dog named Asia. Asia <laughs> she is a minor, isn't she? she? She's only three years old, four years old. Uh, that's my dog, Asia. And when they're coming back from Asia, there were some Judaizers caught following saying, you need to go back up here and baptize, uh, circumcise these Gentiles. Paul said, no, no more. No more circumcision. No more, and Peter says, no more water in Acts 10. No more water. Forget that. He says, no more. And then he says, can any forbid? It's forbid is the word K-O-L-U-O. K-O-L-U-O. By the way, the word forbid is an infinitive. He says, not the water. Stop the water. He says, forbid the water that these should not be really truly baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And then he says, he commanded him to be baptized in the name. To be baptized in English when you have an infinitive. You've always got to be. 
Let me say something about to be. To be. Remember, be is a form of the word. It means existence, to exist. You got the being verbs be, is, am, or was, were, being, been, have, has, had, do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. That's the being verbs. They're all a form of the verb to be or to exist. So when he commands them to be, he means to exist baptized. In. That word is the word E-N. Or E-N. E-E-N. That's the way we write it. And E-N, when it's used with, when it's used with a infinitive, a verbal noun, Mr. Mounts will tell you in his Greek for Beginners, that it only means when it's used with an infinitive, which is to be in. It means to exist in the name. It's the word en, and it means to be. Anytime you use en with an infinitive, it only means with or by. This means to be baptized with the onoma. Onoma is the word name or authority. God's authority is His truth. That's the Holy Spirit. Thy word is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. The Bible says so over and over again. So be baptized with the truth. That's a blood baptism. That's death to self. It don't matter whether believe, people believe this or not. It's the truth. I've got so much on baptism. It's, it's crazy what the world has come up with. When you go to Colossians 2, this, well, let me give you 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3 is talking about Noah and the ark. I don't know why nobody but me has looked this up. I've never heard any preacher even get close to this. And you know what? It's not difficult. You just study. You look up one definition after the other. One word after the other. I've spent 66 years studying Bible and it's... And I'm astounded at the ignorance of preachers. It's how stupid they are. Most, I'm talking about real important, high-rolling, uh, big, uh, super preachers that pastor these huge churches. They don't know nothing. There's big churches in this town. They're just as dumb as rocks. And he says here in First Peter 3, 20, well, I need to read 19, but I'm not going to go into a great explanation. 
by which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Well, I need to read 18. Christ also has suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death. There's death. In the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. Quickened, that's resurrection. So there's death and resurrection. By which... By the resurrection of Christ, which is the gospel, which is the baptism, come to life after dying, by which he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Prison, fulake, means those who are in darkness. That was the Gentiles. Gosh, I can't read that without reading Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. Isaiah talks all through his book about the Gentiles coming to the light, and he talks about that in this 42nd chapter of Isaiah. 42nd chapter, he says, verse 6, And I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. That's the horizon. Horizo. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, the Gentiles. And them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. And Paul said, that's what I came for. There in Acts, the 26th chapter. But let's go back over here. So the resurrection is the means by which God preached to the spirits in prison. That's the Gentiles, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved. It says by water in the English text, and that's not what it says in the original. It says dia water, dia through. And then read the next part. The like figure, the same way they were saved, antitupon, means corresponding. A-N-T-I, antitupon. Corresponding. The same way. Even baptism doth also now save us. The same way they were saved in the ark. The water wasn't the baptism. It was not. It was the judgment of God. The baptism was the pitch of the ark. When the Lord said, Noah, in Genesis 6.14, pitch the ark within and without with pitch. Pitch with pitch. This has the exact same meaning as baptized. Pitch is the word kafar. The second word pitch is kofar. The first word pitch is a, is a verb, cover. The second word is a noun, to stain or to die. Pitch with pitch is the exact same meaning as baptized with babto. Same exact word. Same exact meaning. And kafar is the same word as atonement. When they pitched, when the high priest would come in on the day of atonement, and he would get the offering off the altar and come in and go through the veil 
and stain and die the Ark of the Covenant. That was true baptism. This is true baptism. And this is true baptism. It's not water. It's like one fellow walked up to me after church one night when I preached on this. He said, if people don't deal with blood, if they deal with the water, they're never going to deal with the blood baptism. Blood baptism is death to self. And that's what this is talking about. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. I could talk about conscience all day. By the resurrection of Christ in us. That word resurrection is anastasis. And it's feminine gender. Let me give you something else on feminine gender. Go back over here to First John. I've heard preachers preach on this and get lost as a goose on it. Do I have time, Mike? I'll get through this. There's some things on blood baptism I haven't gotten to. It's just so hard to get to all of it. Look here in First John 4. If you don't go to these these uh, original words you won't know. He says here in 4 and 1, Beloved, be not every spirit, but try the spirits. It don't mean try them on for size. The word try is the word dokimazo. D-O-K-I-M-A-Z-O. Dokimazo means to test mm-hmm. or put in the fire. Put them up against the backdrop of the Bible and see if they test right. Remember, adokimanzo means reprobate. It means there's no fire. Reprobate is adokimos. No fire. No fire. And then he says, try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. This is the same thing as resurrection in this next verse. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Here's how you can tell the Spirit of God in a man. This is it. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That sounds like if you're a Hindu and you say that Jesus has come in physical fleshly body, that you get to go to heaven. That's not what it says. You have to know what the word the is. Every spirit that confesseth, remember confesseth, homologeo, H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. Homologeo is the word confess, comes from homo, a homosexual is of the same sex. Homogenize has the same meaning to it. Homo, of the same. It means of the same logos word. It means to agree with. To agree with, but you can't agree with God if you're not a believer. And then he says, that confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. The is the word te. Feminine gender. Feminine. See if I can find this real quick. 
Here it is right here. The flesh. Here's the word the. Every time it's mentioned in the New Testament, the. Te. It's feminine gender. What would confessing that Christ has come in the flesh? That would be the wife, the bride. Every every spirit that confesses to Jesus Christ is come in the church or the wife or the bride of Christ, the feminine flesh. That's of God. Well, that would be resurrection of Christ in us daily, wouldn't it? But you can't explain this unless you know thee is feminine. And confess, Paul said in Titus 1.16, some men profess that they know God. That, I don't know why they put profess for that when it's the same word as confess. Homologeo. Some men profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. What they do denies God. So confession has to do with what you do. He that doeth truth cometh to light. He that doeth righteous is righteous. There's so much to this looking at these looking at these words. I wanted to get to some more of these verses, but it's so hard to get to all of them. I don't know why preachers haven't looked at these things. I just don't know why I have any idea. I would call any of them down. I don't care if it's a professor of a seminary, if it's a head of a seminary. I'm not afraid of those guys. They usually don't know much. This Moeller, who's head of the Southern Seminary in, in uh, Louisville, Southern Baptist Seminary, he claims to believe predestination. I'll promise you he don't believe what I believe. And he doesn't believe that God creates evil. And he does Christmas, and he believes in pre-trib rapture. Most of them do. I'm just, I don't know why they can't see these things, see words. If they're reading through the Bible fast, and then he says, he says in verse 3, Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. If you don't confess... Homologato, that Christ is coming, the feminine flesh of the church. That means you don't believe truth is in, is in the believer. I just, I cannot get over preachers. I've spent a life studying and looking at these things, and none of them believe much of anything. I just, I'm just sick of them. Just... They don't even know that we die daily. If you die daily, you're resurrecting Christ daily. You're put to death by some acquaintance that doesn't want to have anything else to do with you. That's happened to all of us, hasn't it? They don't want... The only thing that will make you free is the truth. You're not free when you're tied to some denomination. If you go into a Baptist church and say, uh, there's no pre-trib rapture, they will ostracize you just for that. They'll cut you off. They want nothing to do with you. If you tell the Church of Christ, baptism is blood, not water, they'll say, well, you can't come to our church because you've got to be baptized in water by a Church of Christ preacher to be a believer. They'll tell you that. You've got to partake of the crackers and grape juice every Sunday or you can't be a Christian. 
I don't know where these guys come up with their doctrines, but it's just, it's terrible. The doctrines of the world, I am tired of the preachers, fed up with them. Yeah, I guess y'all know that, don't you? I'm sick of them. I don't care who they are. They have no right to stand in a pulpit and say they're proclaiming the Word of God and not tell people the defined truth. They have no business. And I understand that when they first start, they don't know all these things. But when they see something, they need to investigate it and look at it. And I'm just done with them. I've got so many more things to say on resurrection. There's so much to it. But resurrection and baptism and the gospel are all the same thing. Without one, you can't have the other. Well, that'll be, I guess I'm out of time, ain't I, Mike? One minute. minute. I can pray for a minute. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth above everything in our life. I pray that you'll give us strength to continue your word. I pray you'll strengthen the flock. Some are not strong. Give them strength. Fight our battles for us, Lord. I can't fight them anymore. Thank you for these wonderful words that you've given us. Thank you for understanding. Open every door you can for the ministry, and I pray that you'll strengthen the sheep here. And we'll praise you for everything. Give you glory for all things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, there's a lot of baptism there. In that. I really needed to get back to Easter. That's paganism. But it's supposed to be resurrection, and I had to talk about the resurrection. Every time, except that one time, it's anastasis, feminine gender. Female. It's a resurrection of the church. Without Christ resurrecting in us, there's no gospel. I hear these people talk about preaching the gospel, and they never get into the details of it. I, I, I don't get it. They talk about... I hear John MacArthur talking, we need to preach the gospel, and he never explains it. What is it? What's baptism in blood? It is the way, the narrow way. I'll have to come back and give some more on that the next time up. Well, just like you said, Jim, they have the terminology, but they don't have the knowledge. They have the terminology, is it? And that's it. It's not that I am brilliant. I just take my time going through something, look at every word, and think it out as I'm studying it. I think it out. And I look at it and examine it and break the words apart. I never read fast. Never. I never have. I read slow. I don't know what it's saying.